0: There are well over 30 million small businesses in the United States. And according to the Small Business Administration, Office of Advocacy, and Overload.com, small businesses account for 1.5 million new jobs annually. And they account for about 64% of total new job growth year in. And you're out in America, providing further evidence that small businesses are the backbone of this economy. For more than two decades now, Jill Willick has been focused on one singular mission, supporting client achievement through the implementation of training and performance strategies for small and medium-sized businesses. With a focus on leadership development, she partners with businesses in diverse industries. She took some time out of her busy California schedule this week to join me to shed some light on how she's providing leadership, direction, and clarity for businesses Everywhere. I'm Kevin McShann. To this conversation. I started my conversation with Willick by asking her to provide a bird's-eye view of all the good work that she does in helping her clients succeed.
1: Yes, well, in, in what I do, I help with leadership development and career development of my clients. And uh, in doing that, I help them to set their own path and really help them to set their roadmap. And then once we've been able to help them set their roadmap, then they're able to work through the different steps of attaining where they wanna go and what they wanna do. And um, I find that when people are able to define their own roadmap, and um, determine what things might get in the way and what their own success looks like, they're more committed to it and they're able to achieve it a, a great deal better than if somebody tells them what to do.
0: Absolutely, and based on your experience, Jill, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you think makes a good business leader.
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. I. Don't know if you're familiar with, the, um, uh, with Gumby. Uh, with the, <laughs> a long time ago, there used to be Gumby and Pokey and Gumby um, was this green character and uh, he, was, he was firm, but he was flexible. And I think flexibility in a leader is really important and it's often overlooked. Of the idea that yes, you are firm in, in what your commitment is to value in an organization, but you're flexible and you're flexible with your workforce, you're flexible with your community. And the other is what I call being a really intentional listener. And, you know, we're all familiar with that term being an active listener. Um, That's great when we are listening more than we're talking and when we're not thinking of what we're gonna say when somebody is talking. But being an intentional listener is really listening for the things that are not said and then asking the questions in order to bring that out. Because usually that's what's more important than what is said.
0: Absolutely, and I know that you have a lifetime of personal experience which helps your clients with personal growth, job development, and their career transition, so I'm wondering how you mold all of your own personal life experiences to help your clients as well.
1: Yeah, I I think probably um... My, well, my experience has been in the HR world. I've been in the human resources for about 25 years, and then I moved that over to coaching. And so coaching to me brings the most uh, gratification in what I do, and I, I really enjoy using that to help my clients find out specifically what they want. Just like I was able to do, and what they want in their own professional growth, and what they want in their job advancement, and you know, you really, you really hit the mark on career transition because I think all of us, in some way, we are all in a transition right now, <laughs> and uh, I think being able to map out what that transition looks like, and. What gets in the way and how to overcome that, and determining what the resources we have available to us is really key.
0: Absolutely, and as you know, as you noted, that most people in the working world are in some sort of a transition uh, because of the pandemic, even if you're. in, in a steady job, uh, the pandemic has sort of changed our way of thinking uh, about human resources. And I'm curious with your background in human resources, Jill, I'm curious to ask you how do you think uh, human resources departments have to look at job applicants differently because of the pandemic, knowing that people are sort of reinvesting into the working world after the pandemic?
1: I really love that question. And um, I think, again, you hit the nail on the head that human resources departments do need to evolve. Um, and they do need to accommodate what's going on in the workforce and realize that what what they were doing before and the measures they were using, maybe that's the square peg in the round hole right now. And again, it's the same formula that I subscribe to for leadership. They they can be firm in what they're looking for, but they should be flexible in their candidate pool. And I think what what HR departments need to do. And if I were still in that role, I would follow my own advice and look for a fit of culture. So looking beyond what the criteria are for the requirements of the job and how much experience someone has, but also looking into how they fit within the culture. And I think that that is, really more important now than ever is to determine, do you fit with the values of the organization? Does the candidate that you're looking at, do they subscribe to the same values that you do? And really being able to look and to ask those questions during interviews as well.
0: And I'm going to uh, spin it the opposite way, Joe. How do you think a job a seekers can become more appealing uh, to those in uh, the positions of hire to, to uh, power to hire?
1: I think that uh, people, it, at, at Sound Advice, we talk a lot about the sniper approach as opposed to shotgun and um, meaning really focused, a really focused job search, rather than, um, as I like to say, throwing pasta at the wall and seeing what sticks. (laughs) So (laughs) really more of uh, making sure that uh, you really know what it is you're passionate about and what you want to do specifically, and identifying those companies that fit with what you're looking for, because we find that the people we work with, they have the most success when they do that, rather than just hitting the apply button, which is really easy to do. And then the other uh, has to do with the applicant tracking system of making sure they're doing a really thorough job of doing those keyword search matches to make sure that what the company is asking for you have appearing on your resume.
0: It it always helps to read job descriptions, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it sure does. (laughs) Exactly, look before you leave.
0: And apply, absolutely.
1: Exactly.
0: Phil, I don't know if you had a chance to, uh, Dive into my background, but I do a lot of work with individuals with disabilities when it comes to inclusive employment, and I'm curious, you talked earlier about culture, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on infusing more people with disabilities into a work culture, because I think uh, some employers are really really missing out on an untapped market by not um, uh, considering people with disabilities, and I'm wondering your thoughts on that as well.
1: You know, I have to tell you, you hit upon a very strong passion point for me when when you said that, because um, when I think of a diverse workforce, diverse means diverse. And that means um, I am extremely passionate about helping people be employed, people with disabilities, um, because you are 100% correct. Um, employers are missing out on a key portion of the workforce. Um, I also believe the same goes with um, people who are older in the workforce. Um, And and so I think that definitely makes up when we say diversity at work, that is part of diversity. And so um, I'm very passionate about this. (laughs) And I think that um, it's really important that employers, look for solutions and not look at at any of of disabilities as a problem it's a solution and asking the people who are in um, whatever the disability may be ask them for what they believe the solution is and do not assume and i think looking at diversity of whether it's people with uh, disabilities, people who are older, asking them what they think would be the best solution and collaborating and looking at it more as a collaborative culture, rather than anything else. And so I um, am a very strong advocate for this and um, I actually do more. When I was a recruiter, I did more in this area and had the highest retention rate um, for people that I hired, who were either who either had a disability, no matter what that was, um, or people who were older coming back into the workforce. Um, and uh, I, 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 I just would say for any employer to to be collaborative
0: yeah absolutely and i'm i'm curious to uh, get you to uh, comment on how do you think the working uh, world and the workforce will change as a result of the pandemic what do you think we can do differently and what do you think we've learned is an employment world
1: well i think um we are learning to do things differently and i think that's really important i think um in many cases we maybe became too complacent with what was working and i think this has caused us all to think outside the box and um i think that's a great thing and i think if this has taught us anything it's to continually uh be a continuous learner of what is out there, what's coming our way and what more collaborative solutions can be as opposed to the way we've always done things. Because I think we can agree that how we've always done things has not um, always been the right thing. And so looking at different ways and again, being collaborative and flexible and intentional.
0: Jill, I'm also curious to ask you about your own personal legacy, you know, when you retire and if someone was to write the book of your life, what do you think you would want them to focus on? Oh
1: gosh, what a great question. Um, Well, I, I think if I were to to say what I'd want people to remember about me is that I uh, I am collaborative and that I am—I uh, give more than I take. I think that's really an important factor. Um, and to really um, be compassionate. I think those are my three takeaways of the way I live my life and the way that I like for my kids to, uh, to see me living my life. I like to model good behavior and um, really walk the walk.
0: And I'm curious, when you're not working, what do you enjoy doing for fun? Oh, gosh.
1: Um, Well, if there is time to do that, which I try to. (laughs) I try my best to to make time for that. uh, I love to work out. I love to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Um, I am a very avid volunteer in the community. and uh, I am a very strong advocate for animals. Um, I have two rescue animals, and um, I'm very passionate about helping animals that uh, maybe cannot help themselves, and uh, and people as well. Um, so I I think those are my my top three. And when we can all go back to the movies, I love the movies, and I love going out to eat um so those hence the workout so so (laughs) that's that's what I do for fun
0: yeah Jill I think you're just like everybody else wanting a little sense of normalcy back in our lives right
1: big normalcy is okay
0: (laughs) absolutely and my final question for you Jill is if people want to get connected with you what's the best way they can do that
1: wonderful well uh my uh website uh, sound advice women is the best place to get a hold of what we do um my email jill at soundadvicewomen.com is another great way to get a hold of me and uh that's that's um how we can get connected
0: well, Jill, I want to uh, thank you for your time this afternoon, your work in women uh, and workplace equality. really enjoyed our uh, conversation this afternoon, and I want to thank you uh, for being here. It's most appreciated.
1: Well, thank you so much, and uh, again, thank you for having me, and I'm wishing you all the best in, in everything that you're doing.